Uh, it sounds like they should be bundling it with a bunch of phone wipes. Uh, yes, uh, and possibly elastic bands also because <laughs> your phone isn't actually secured <laughs> on, on this platform. Uh, wait, wait, and wait. as I found out today... So the thing that is actually just a phone holder does not hold your phone. This is Geek Warning. We promised it. We're now delivering. I'm Kaylee Fretz. Uh, I'm going to be hosting for now. I feel like that might change at some point, but I will be hosting for now. And, of course, joining me here today... Mr. Dave Rome, how are you, Dave? I'm um, very well, thank you. Thank you. It's it's nice to to be up and on a podcast and looking at a run sheet that isn't uh, racing focused of races I didn't watch. <laughs> like I said in the, on the on the pod earlier this week, you did an admirable job thank sticking you. it out throughout that entire. Uh, thank you. It even it even had me watching bike racing. I don't know what was happening. Also here today, a freelance cycling journalist Ronan McLaughlin. How are you, Ronan? Oh, matey. How's she cotton? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he did threaten to drop into his actual accent as opposed to the version that we can all understand. And I fear that may be the Ronin we're getting. Uh, I might just rein it in just, just for the first episode. We appreciate that. We appreciate <laughs> that. I think we need to start off, because this is the first full-length geek warning, with talking a little bit about what this podcast is going to be. Uh, what people can expect from us. So for that, actually, Dave, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop over to you mm. because this is really your it's your vision, uh, it's your baby. Okay, what is this podcast gonna be? Uh, it's gonna be a a place where we focus on tech in whatever way we feel like it at that at that time. So our general plan is to have a weekly show. Uh, every week. <laughs> Um, oh, oh, sorry. Our general plan is to have a group show every week. And uh, on top of that, add in deep dives, um, chats with brands, etc. cetera, uh, in addition to. So, yeah, not not have an alternating schedule like some other podcasts do, but uh, really let you hear what's new in tech and what's on our minds every week and then uh, get really nerdy as well. We want to get hugely nerdy. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the goal geeky? is to geeky. Is to we want to get hugely geeky. geeky. Yeah, geeky. <laughs> yeah, correct. I think the goal here is is you know, Dave, you're sitting in a shop right now. I can I can see tools behind you. I can see a stand behind you. Mm. We want to kind of make it feel like we're all hanging out on the shop floor, chatting about whatever is new and interesting and and going on in the tech world, and bring those listeners out there along with us. That's that's kind of the goal. What is this? What is this podcast not going to be? It's not going to be a place to sell you more shit. Or try to sell you more shit. I mean, if the shit is good, then we will try to sell that shit to you. Yeah, so it's not going to be a place where we want to sell you more things. Uh, but rather a place where we just talk about the things that we find really interesting, that we find groundbreaking, or that we find to be perhaps a negative for the industry and trends that we don't like to see. Uh, we will certainly be diving into those and and wherever possible are um, offering options for where we think things are done better and, and hope to see change from. I should say that there's one particular shit that we might ask you to buy mm. at some point. Um, and that would be our shit at some point, right? <laughs> Correct. Yes, we will be uh, we will be needing to fund this in some regard, and uh, yeah, at some point in the near future, we will we'll be asking for your help with that. Yeah, and basically, much like every other company out there, if you don't buy our shit, uh, we'll stop making it. In return for buying our shit, you'll get our crap from from our <laughs> from our mouth on this podcast. I think I think that's the general idea, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, remind me to click the little explicit button uh, on this particular episode. We'll try to swear a little bit less as as we go forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go forward here. All right, so we know what it is. We know what it isn't. We just teased how we're going to fund this thing, and and you know, please do keep an, an ear out and eye out for additional details on that front. So probably sometime relatively soon here. So let's let's get into it. Uh, we're going to open each show with a. A segment 
what exactly we're we calling this on your mind and over the head of your family yeah sure let's call it that that's great that's catchy <laughs> whatever is on our minds and i think maybe we kick off with ronan ronan's what's been what's been hovering over you as of late uh well as of late i've had quite a bit of free time uh which i have somehow made on free by just like spending too much of it on a bicycle but anyway, while I've been on the bicycle, the thing mostly going through my head, I mean, beyond the usual stuff, as in, like, is the UCI's frame approval process actually a hampering bike design and actually meaning that we're all riding the wrong bike? Beyond those sorts of Oh, yeah, that's thoughts. on everyone's mind. Let's get to yeah. the unique stuff. Yeah. The, the sort of unique and maybe the custom stuff within my mind at the moment is what would actually make for the perfect custom geometry if you were say if one was just happened to be building a bicycle specifically for everesting uh which mm. you know for those who don't know is going up and down a single stretch of road multiple times so up a hill and down a hill as fast as possible with a u-turn at the top and bottom if you were to design a, a geometry specifically for that job what would you what would you come up with and I have. I'm pretty sure I've settled on my ideal, but um, I'm also sort of putting it out here because there's not very many people in my household that I can have this conversation with. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm intrigued by this. So, like in your mind, you're in you're imagining a straight hill, so no yes. no corners except for the <laughs> the like one at the top gap. and bottom. Something like Memor Gap, yeah, almost perfectly straight. Yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. So what what is on your mind with that? Well Wait, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I guess? I was hoping you I would guess. say that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Maybe don't guess. Well, so are you I'm, gonna guess what I'm thinking or are you gonna suggest what you're thinking? I'm gonna suggest what I'm thinking, yes. but I've also only been thinking about this for now going on thirty seconds. <laughs> uh so that's the caveat here. So I I recall from your previous Everesting attempts, Ronan, that uh, stability was was actually kind of important. At one point, you you burst a tire, um, Mm -hmm. and you stayed upright, which is good. Uh, But basically, like you go really, really, really fast, and there's no sweeping corners or anything, right? So you don't actually need a bike that handles that well. You just need a bike that will let you kind of. I don't know, shut off and recover as much as humanly possible on the way down a hill, right? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, that is something, I mean, you're kind of trending into like mountain bike territory, right? Like probably something kind of long and slack and probably relatively annoying to kind of get around the corner at the bottom. The issue, of course, is you don't want to go too slack because if you go too slack, you're going to run into the same issue you run into on really slack mountain bikes, which mm. is going uphill when you're going quite slowly. You get wheel you're flop. You're going to end up swerving all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Wheel flop. So I, 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 I don't have the answer for you right here where where that that point is, but and maybe maybe it's maybe it's some combination of like steeper head angle, lower trail, and like a long, a really long chain stays or something like that. That sort of Uh, like stabilizes the ride in a way that doesn't adversely affect your ability to ride in a straight line at very low speed am i am i pointing in the right direction well you're you're pointing in exactly the direction that that i started from uh, and also in the direction that anybody else who have had this conversation with has started from but the the difficulty with this slacker longer sort of setup is that the turn of which I would have to do 76 of if I was doing an Everesting. Mm. If I was doing more than an Everesting, it would be even more turns. That's 76 at the bottom, 76 at the top. That's 162. Oh, yeah, that's that's a lot. Uh, and on a rural country road, which is quite narrow. And yeah, if I go long and slack, then it, I get very, very slow on the turn. Um, and and And... You know, if I wanted to go faster, if that if that's the sort of thing was playing on my mind, the the only place now I feel I can find any extra time is first of all by not puncturing, and secondly by speeding up the turns. And <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the 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 sort of philosophy that I have landed up upon, uh, and also actually you touched on a good thing there, just about you know with going 
too slack also it just it it just destroys the feeling going uphill and you know I, i've done everything previously on a tarmac and a tcr and actually you know other than the extremely low weight that you aim for actually the sort of the the sharper handling of those actually is quite nice uh going uphill because it doesn't feel as labored so i wanted to sort of retain that uh anyway i don't think we want to make this segment too long <laughs> so long story short the sort of uh the the way i'm leaning at the moment is to shorten the wheelbase to get around that corner as quickly as possible aim for a trail of i don't know something around well head angle of 73 and a half trail something around 57 or so so it's stable enough but also sort of sharp enough and the endurance road bike area yes uh also just sort of you know we're we're getting into the sort of things that i just happen to like anyway so (laughs) um maybe maybe i'm actually just building a custom bike rather than an everesting bike but anyway bear with me for a second (laughs) the one big difference i've settled on is going for a ridiculously low bottom bracket drop uh, mm. yeah, I, was, I was imagining a, a, a Demane level bottom bracket drop and then some and then some mm, okay watch watch your pedals through those corners uh yes pedal strike is uh, uh you can actually work that i can't work it out but people with like math brains can can work mm. that out um now the the other difficulty with the short wheelbase if you short, if you achieve a short wheelbase by shortening the front center, not only the, uh, and getting a lower bottom bracket drop, not only are you going to get pedal strikes in the corner, but you're also going to get toe rub on your front wheel as you make those corners. So um, a lot of my time off the bike at the at the moment has been uh, fitting cranks to bikes that don't currently have cranks on them of different lengths, and then measuring uh, which which pedal set cleat setback uh results in toe rub <laughs> so, so basically what i'm trying to say is my brain has been really listening. occupied recently yeah may i remind the people listening that this this is just ronan an unemployed ronan a freelance <laughs> ronan just doing things in his spare time so, yeah anyway that's why you're on this podcast um Kaylee, what's what's been occupying your mind? Anything on the anything on the tech side uh, that's that might be that so maybe I, I, a young I, child doesn't care to listen to. If if uh, I mean if I'm honest, most of what's occupying my mind at the moment is how to build a media company that will support all of my friends and pay them. Mm. Uh, and okay, that, keep focusing on that. That sounds good. Yeah, mostly mostly what's on my mind at the moment. I've also been thinking a fair amount about ski waxes, but I don't think you guys really care about mm. the differences between CH6 and CH7, depending on whether the snow is old or the snow I mean, is I old. mean, if we're ever going to even pretend to care, it's probably this episode, so uh, <laughs> you, you might want to take this opportunity. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't put you guys through that. You won't even know. I have no idea what I'm, what I'm talking about. Uh, no, actually, what, the thing that has been occupying my mind, and this is a very different area from from what Ronan's talking about, is I've been trying to dampen the steering in my cargo bike, mm. uh, which, if I'm perfectly honest, is the only bike that I ride in the winter. It's got studded tires. There's tons of snow outside. I ski all winter. I'm a, I'm a. It's not that I don't want to ride. It's that I like kind of can't at the moment, other than this bike. Uh, and I've been running into some some front wheel wobble. On this thing, uh, and it has it's an urban arrow, and it has like a like a steering rack, right? It's got like a like a uh, rod basically running from my handlebars, the bottom of my handlebars, up to the front wheel or the front fork. And I wasn't getting this issue before uh, when when the headset was loose, which I didn't realize because it's about four miles in front of me. <laughs> uh, and then I and then I went and like wiggled the front wheel one day. I can't remember why, and realized the headset was loose. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll fix that. Tighten up the headset and then created a speed wobble that kicks in at about 23, 24 miles an hour. So I very rarely go that fast on this bike, but there's one hill that I go down mm. that it keeps coming back. And uh, I don't really know how to fix it. I, James. I wonder if it's worn. Could be. Yeah, I, I wonder brief. if it's sat. 
Yeah. Yeah, if it's sat loose for too long. Yeah. Because, um, again, this front wheel is, like, it's a whole cargo bike away from me, right? Like, you can't really tell. Yeah. There's a bunch of linkages and things in between. You can't really tell when the headset's loose. And, yeah, I, mean, I don't really know how long it was doing that. And I wonder if I just need to do a new headset, which, unfortunately, is just an enormous pain in the butt on yeah, this particular bike. Sure. I don't know. But while you're redoing the headset, I would say uh, Cane Creek does one, the Visco set, which is pretty much perfectly designed for, for this scenario, which is it's a, it's a damping. Um, well, that, that, damping. I couldn't remember what it was called, and that's, mm. why I wanted, that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up. And I meant to just text our, our former colleague, James Wong, about it, because I, I think he put one of those in his Urban Arrow, if I remember correctly. Anyway, yeah. I'll look that up, and that's yeah. what I've been thinking about. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Uh, tools. Tools on my mind. No. Yeah, just just for a change. Um, been keeping my my hands busy with uh, fixing some things, and uh, as a result, um, yeah, been playing with tools. I've been playing with a few new workstands. I got my hands on uh, the new Feedback Sports Pro Elite HD, which is pretty cool product actually. Um, and yeah, I'm gonna be comparing that to the park tool prs 26 at some point um so two high-end folding workstands so that's on my mind um but really what's on my mind is bearing tools i would say lately for some reason just once a day in my dms on instagram i get someone asking me what's the best bearing tool to get for servicing headsets bottom brackets and frame pivot bearings for installing and removing um, and the truth is, is that there is no one tool that does any of, or all of that. Uh, it, it's many tools. Um, and that is the joy of the bike industry. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been playing with a bunch of, I've got hands on a few new ones. Uh, I've been using lots of older ones as well. And any, um, any of the new ones catch your eye in some way? Yeah, there's there's a new company out of Canada called Alt Alt, which um, they're basically trying to trying to come up with a really good option for the home mechanic. Um, so it's just like a very well designed, very capable kit, um, or made of slightly cheap materials, uh, like a like an engineering plastic, um, and the the press the press part itself is a bit simpler. Um, but yeah, it's, it seems to be a very capable and really well thought out tool. Um, so I've been playing with that a bit uh, and quite impressed by it. Uh, Wheels Manufacturing has also been doing a bunch of new things. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of new things, but uh, I guess in my mind is I'm just trying to figure out how, how I would possibly cover this topic because it is, um, I have four drawers of bearing tools at this point. Um, and and one drawer of bearing tools is probably equivalent to 3,000 words. So uh, Kaylee right now is showing me a hammer, which I assume is his array of bearing tools. Um, He's missing the, the flathead screwdriver. Kaylee, that, that hammer actually looks a little fancy for you. <laughs> What's going on there? Uh, this hammer was sent to me by the lovely, lovely people over at Abbey Bike Tools uh, as a, I don't know, like a condolences gift uh, when when I was removed from my position at a, at a former uh, media entity. And I've actually been slowly creating some some social content around this hammer mm. and the various things that i'm using this hammer to to fix uh so if you don't already follow me on instagram at kaylee frets do so and at some point when i finish that project i think i just worked out why fix. your urban arrow has a speed wobble <laughs> <laughs> it's a great hammer it's a fantastic hammer and i it's actually my first abby tool that because not surprising. I, I mean, let's be honest. It's not surprising that that this is my first heavy tool, but I'm I'm I covet it now. That hammer is actually something I don't have. Really? Yeah, I think so. I think that hammer is something quite special. I believe. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think that hammer is their titanium hammer, so their their travel hammer, uh, which yep. is a really small size hammer, but they've made it out of stainless steel, so it's it's more weighty and more durable for shop use. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's pretty uh, great. It's all polished it's up. It's a fantastic yeah, hammer. Yeah, no, I don't have one. So of thank those. you, to, oh. thank you to Abby. Uh, this this video I'm making, 
I'm finding it funny. I don't know if anyone else will. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that all that really matters? That <laughs> is all that really matters. I just got to make myself happy here. Yeah. Yeah. But Dave, that is enough about my hammer. Okay. Even though I'm going to continue to just wave it around here while we yeah. sit on our on our Google Hangout. Uh, we got to talk some news. There's a fair, <laughs> there's a lot that's happened since the last time the three of us made any sort of tech podcast. Uh, some of it's been covered in the placeholders, but we want to go a little bit deeper here. We'll also, we'll touch on news in this show that probably sort of wouldn't make the cut, I think, for the placeholders because we understand that the audience of this show, well, you just want a little bit more mm. on that front. So what um, what leads the headlines this week in tech news? Uh, Ronan, I think this one is something you pointed out to us, but uh, Pali Cycles in the US have actually filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy uh, as of two days ago. And uh, I think the court case is, uh, the hearing is, is uh, in a few hours from now uh, where they'll decide the future of the company. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ren, like, do you have anything else to add to that? Like, where, what's, what are you uh, hearing? Well, information is thin on the ground here, isn't it? Like, there's, beyond what you've just said there now, we don't know all that much, but we, what we do believe is that Parley have, They've sent a, at least an email communication to dealers and distributors, sort of giving some hope that their intentions are to, you know, continue, continue supplying bikes, continue supporting customers, continue making, uh, doing what they've been doing for for I think they said twenty three years in that email. So you know, a mm-hmm. fairly established brand at this point, and and certainly yeah. a quite prestigious uh, bike. Also, yeah. it's. One we would see very rarely around these parts, but definitely when a parley passed, you sort of turned your head and, and noticed it. So uh, it was kind of the the initial sort of rumor I heard was parley have filed for bankruptcy and you fear the worst. But I think you had sort of done a, done a bit of digging here. And from what we understand, if they're fighting for Chapter 11, then there is some intention there to... You know, yeah, that, that's basically a way of 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 restructuring and moving forward rather than shutting up. Shop. Yeah, so so in the US, a uh, chapter eleven is kind of the is considered a restructuring bankruptcy. So you, it's the hardest bankruptcy to go through. It's it's also often the most costly for a business. But they they typically would only file chapter eleven um, when they have plans or desires to continue as a business. Um, and it's it's basically a way to to either help get a bit of a helping hand to to see their way through the tough times, or or sometimes it can even be strategic to to get out of some business uh, some business endeavors that, that aren't working out. So uh, yeah, I think I think we will continue to see this this high end carbon custom frame manufacturer continue. Um, they in recent years have also been doing uh, a line of bikes out of Asia, um, stock fr- stock geometry, stock frames. Uh, so yeah, they've they've kind of got two parts of the business there. So it'll, it will be interesting to see how they continue from from here on, whether they whether they choose to focus on one direction or not. Those who have been listening to the placeholders for a while will have heard Dave and I talk about Wahoo mm. and the likelihood of something very similar happening to Wahoo sometime in the next six months. Uh, that's not according to us. That's according to uh, rating agencies that that you know their entire existence is essentially pointing out uh when businesses are in trouble and they pointed out that wahoo is in very much in trouble at the moment uh, and some kind of restructuring like this is probably the most likely outcome of that as well which means you know wahoo won't go away but they'll restructure debts they will like like you said dave maybe you know get rid of some bits of the business that uh that are not doing so well. Uh, they've, they've made quite a few acquisitions in, in the last two years or so. Um, but yeah, we do, I'm, I'm expecting to see some kind of announcement on that front mm. relatively soon from Wahoo. There is a chance that they avoid it, but uh, that chance is not great, mm. uh, according to, the, to, to Moody's and, and the rating agencies. Speaking of Wahoo, mm. Ronan, you have something new from them. Uh... Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, did, sorry, did I lack a bit of enthusiasm there? Oh, just a small amount. You seem oh, a little okay. off tilt. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, I have the new Wahoo Kicker Steer, uh, which is... 
Uh, well, it's it's effectively um, a steering device for use with their RGT virtual world training software. Now, there's no software or any sort of electronics included in the new steer. It's basically uh, a platform with a thumb-operated tilt feature uh, that you set your phone on, and then using the sensors within your phone and using the RGT companion app, you can control your avatar on the RGT training platform and instruct the avatar to turn left or turn right. Uh, and they've yeah basically brought steering to their virtual world platform. Um, but you're not steering with your handlebars. Yeah, a few hands. But imagine and this platform. Honey, I shrunk yeah. the kids, but the opposite. Honey, I blew up yeah. the kids. That sort of thing. Uh, it's you. You how you? Yeah, you keep you, you keep your hands on your levers, uh, and you use uh, or your drops. Nutty it professor can be, it can be accessed yeah. from levers or drops. Yeah, and yeah. basically the tilt platform that your phone sits in uh, has these two paddles either side of it that mm-hmm. you can press to instruct either a left turn or a right turn for your avatar. Um, and basically, all they're doing is all the paddles are doing is. You know, tilting your phone left or right. Um, it kind of, I mean, like it, it, it landed here. I seen the box. Mm-hmm. I had heard, you know, I'd, I'd been told that the steer thing is coming. Uh, we're going to send it out to you to see your thoughts on it. And it landed here. And yeah, it, it, I opened the package and, the, and I was a little, or even a lot, underwhelmed uh, when I seen the actual device. Your enthusiasm is infectious, Rona. I can just, I can feel it. It's coming through. I wouldn't buy one. I might just get right now. I, I might just get Dave Rome to like three D print one. Uh, could effectively be the same thing. <laughs> Sounds quite doable, to be honest. Um, but uh, why does it not work on Zwift or other riding platforms? Because Zwift has steering in the game, right? You, you could hack it to work with Zwift, or you, it will work with Zwift. Uh, you know, the, Wahoo have said, I, I believe Wahoo have said it won't work with Zwift, but technically speaking, it's just a phone you could holder. Set, it, it can work with yes, Zwift. Yes, exactly. It's a, it's a fancy you, quad. If you lock. find a way, if you find a, a, an actual steering device to pair with Zwift and then use this Wahoo phone holder <laughs> to hold your phone that you can then use to steer Zwift, it will work with Zwift. Uh, but there's this lawsuit going on between the two companies, and yeah, they're they're not really going to be working all that well together anytime soon, if ever again. Um, so while this may have had potential, you know, cross-platform, it is now just a Wahoo RGT thing mm-hmm. only. Um, and you mentioned, you know, I just want to go back a second. You mentioned that you know it, it's not like real-world steering, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I. I, I I've seen that sort of comment bandied about quite a bit over the last 24 hours. I'm actually okay with yeah. that. Um, yeah, because you're not real well riding get a bike away from, Yes, and all this talk of realism and all is just something I've never sat all that well with. You know, it, they're, they're different things. We can embrace the two different things for different yep. reasons. Uh, let's not try to make one the other or the other the one or whatever. Like, it just... You know, it's never going to be all that real when you're locked onto a trainer or whatever. Um, so let's embrace it for the positives. Most important I say question: make it, make it less real. Yes, I say make it less yeah, real. Yeah. Also. Uh, most important question though is how much does this thing cost? Uh, before we get on to the cost, uh, because it it was launched at basically it was launched at hundred euro, hundred dollars, hundred sterling, some something around those lines. Uh, it was embargoed until about 24 hours before we're speaking today, but actually Wahoo sent out an email to everybody on their email list about five days ago with details about this thing. So the embargo was kind of strange at, at that point. But it was also available, I think, don't quote me on the exact price, but something like 50% off mm. uh, for, for initial customers. So that that doesn't exactly yeah, well. <laughs> shout confidence no. in their new product either. But you know, beyond all that, uh the the bigger thing about all this for me is that yes wahoo have you know released this steer hardware but they have also unlocked steer with an rgt in combination with the wahoo kicker bike which has buttons built into the levers 
that have always worked as steering function within Zwift and will now work as a steering function within RGT also, meaning you don't need the hardware. So if you have a kicker bike and your levers are working there, you can use those buttons to steer mm. on RGT now, which to me highlights the bigger problem with this in that instead of just having two little buttons that can control control steering on RGT, we have a huge platform that puts your phone <laughs> on an out front mount that will only work with round handlebars directly in line with where, at least when I'm on the indoor trainer, all my sweat mm. falls and also renders my phone useless for the rest of the training ride unless I want to pause the steering to do something else with my phone. And like, I use my phone a lot when I'm on the indoor trainer. Like either it's changing track or selecting a podcast or you know texting or whatever it might be. I use my phone a lot when I'm on the trainer. You know, I either want steering that's always steering or not have steering if it means that I have to constantly turn it on and off. Um, so yeah, like to me, the much better solution would have been either find some way to make it work with hidden buttons on DA2 or, uh, which of course wouldn't be an option for Campag and SRAM users at the moment. But, you know, that first of all would have been ideal. Secondly, would have been, you know, some sort of non-intrusive buttons, Bluetooth buttons that can just either pair with your phone or pair with your device or whatever, uh, to offer, uh, effectively the same function without the need for all this plastic. Uh, it sounds like they should be bundling it with a bunch of phone wipes. Uh, yes, uh, and possibly elastic bands also because <laughs> your phone isn't actually secured <laughs> on, on this platform. Uh, wait, wait, and wait. as I found out today... So the thing that is actually just a phone holder does not hold your phone. You know, it's not going to be a perfect fit for any phone currently on the market. And I don't think any of the phone companies are designing their new phones around the the Wahoo Steer platform. So, so just to um, get this straight, for less money, you could get a quad lock or similar that then activates mm-hmm. steering on Zwift. Yes. Um, cool. Okay. I think we've got it covered. <laughs> <laughs> the The other thing I did notice, and now admittedly it's it's tiny, but you know, if you, if you sprint, I was on the Wahoo Kicker bike today, if you sprint, and you know you're rock, you're doing the back and forth motion there. You're pulling on the handlebars. You're trying to get out all the watts you can. Your phone starts to move about, and so your avatar on the screen also starts to move about. <laughs> you know, it, you know. I mean, it's a tiny amount here, but it, it is also a, a design flaw, in, in my opinion. Wow. All right. So. Um... <laughs> It, uh, but, you know, just in, 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 in the interest of balance, I will say I was, you know, the, the actual steer function works quite well. You push the button and <laughs> at least for myself, the avatar on screen swerves left and swerves right. And, you know, the, some uh. users are reporting a delay in that. I had no delay. It worked perfectly, uh, almost in tune with my with my thumb shifting. I think we've found the new product that I have uh, zero interest in, in owning. Like I think, yeah, uh, as far as products, of, as far as cycling products go on the market, I mean, there's a lot that I have zero interest in owning, but this is this is the latest one to, for, for me to have zero interest in owning. Maybe this is a good opportunity to hammer home how this podcast is maybe slightly different from some others out there. <laughs> Uh, which I, I think if you need to point it out at this point, Kaylee, yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 it might suggest that you rewind a little bit we, and listen. We again. don't even need to say it. Well, I don't know. Wahoo, maybe not your best effort. Uh, and I apologize that the two times you've been mentioned today have not been in the most positive, positive light. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the rules of, of, of geek warning are if you make good stuff, mm. we tell the world about it. Yeah. And if you make whatever this thing is, we, tell we the also tell it. the world about it. <laughs> yeah. What one one positive I can bring from this is that the 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 steer specific out front mount because you you can't use the standard Wahoo out front mount or Garmin out front mount. You need the steer specific one. It's quite good. It's mm. aluminium as opposed to the plastic that you know normally comes with these out front out front mounts. I presume that's just so that you know it isn't going to break when you're doing your steering. 
Um, but it also comes with like a removable go, like, and I mean like a click in, click out, removable GoPro mount. So when you're not using your steer, you've actually got this pretty damn good out front mount. Hmm. Uh, now, <laughs> yeah, I, I devoted my cycling time today to trying out this steer device. Uh, I didn't get to use this this uh, new mount outdoors yet. It is only round bar compatible, and you know I don't need to tell anybody how many bikes now come with actually traditionally shaped round handlebars on them. Uh, so you know your your mileage may vary depending <laughs> on what type of handlebars you have, but at least for um, at least for the kicker bike and the one of several other bikes on my bike that actually has round bar still. Um, it's a good out front. Mate. Okay, I'm moving us on. Yes, <laughs> we, we talked about this for long enough. Yeah, can we can we push we, the paddle on this device and? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're right. going to turn right on yeah. this thing and cool. go to Dave Rome. You've got a handlebar you like. Tell us why you like it. I haven't used it yet. It just Easton oh. just announced it uh, pretty much overnight, actually, uh, and it was yeah, it's. It's uh, the new EC90 ALX handlebar. So it's a new top-end carbon handlebar. And what I like mm. about it is they've got some features I like. So for one, they've got a flare in it. It's designed for basically all kinds of drop bar riding is what they're claiming. Kind of your all-rounder road meets gravel meets all-road. Uh, they've gone with a 10-degree flare, which I quite like. I, I personally, in recent months, have found that anything over 15 degrees, I start to find a bit excessive. Um, so yeah, 10 degrees sounds ideal to me. Um, but most importantly, they're, they're talking about how the handlebar is size-specific profiles, uh, in their words, to enhance the flex profile for optimal vibration damping. Uh, and I, I love that. I, I think that's something that I'd previously mentioned in a geek warning segment on the placeholder podcast, uh, that, that handlebars have gotten too stiff or front ends of bikes have gotten too stiff and that I'm, uh, very much, uh, quite obsessively looking at handlebars that are less stiff. Uh, and yeah, I'm just, I'm just, it's just nice to see, uh, such a large company, um, paying such attention to this and, and kudos to Easton cause for a long time, as long as I can remember they've, this has been something that they've paid attention to. Uh, but yeah, it's, it just seems to tick a lot of boxes. It comes in sizes starting from a 38 centimeters. It's, it's only 205 grams and a 42 centimeter width. So yeah, it, it to me, it sounds like the sort of handlebar that I want to try. You almost had me. Oh, what, where did I lose you? When you started Starts from 38 centimeters, I think. Oh, you need a 36, <laughs> do you? That, that, that should be, well, eight, 38 should be the upper width. Like, I mean, you mentioned your, your custom Everesting bike, Ronan. What, what with handlebar would you go on that? Uh, that I, have, I haven't got that far yet. You yeah. know, I've, I've, I've got as far as, uh, you know, should I be looking at adding in some stability by going for longer reach and shorter stem? Mm -hmm. uh, so I haven't actually got as far as handlebar width Interesting. yet. I'll save that for next week. Okay. I, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on the teaser, but part of the reason why we wanted Ronan here is to defend things like 32 centimeter handlebars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which Dave and I. UCI is going to ban it. I am going to defend it. I, I love it. I love I it. I angered Ronan so much on the placeholder podcast where I suggested that uh, the UCI needs to create rules around. Uh, not allowing people to put their shifters too inward to to make their effective handlebar width narrower. Um, Ronan was upset with me for giving the UCI ideas. I but I agree with you, Dave. And I think for, uh, we're not. We're, <laughs> Ronan's angry face over here. Uh, we're gonna stop it. We're gonna. We're not gonna talk about that right now. We're not. You, can't, you can't stop it there because I actually agree with Dave on that one point okay. about right, the inward inward angled handle levers. But yeah. <laughs> we should do an entire episode on UCI rules. Yeah. Oh, please. Yeah. Good ones, like bad ones. After we finish this one. <laughs> next week. We'll do it next week. We'll do an entire I episode. I can't wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, frankly, we could we could do it on like two UCI rules. We could get a full hour worth. And so we could we could maybe make this a recurring thing. Uh but we're gonna leave that. We're gonna leave that. We've got a little bit more news to get through here. Mm. Uh, we could probably also have an ongoing segment of gravel things that are yeah. just 
stolen from 90s mountain bikes. Yeah, let's so, do that. So, Dave, what, what is it this, this week? This week, it's uh, Richie has a new uh, WCS foam grip, which goes on the drops of your handlebars, uh, which I think is is uh, spectacular as far as a throwback goes. Um, <laughs> I think they're aware that it's a bit of a throwback. Um, and there have been companies in the in the interim, uh, like ESI Grips, for years had like their silicon grip as an option for mm-hmm. sliding onto the drops of your handlebar. Um, but nothing quite says 90s mountain biking like a foam grip. And, uh, and for that, Richie, thank you. Uh, you, have, you have brought that grip back to our hearts for our gravel bikes. Um, truly not a product to have any interest in using either. But anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> that's um, <laughs> Uh, except for the pure nostalgia of it, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, I would actually genuinely consider sliding those onto yeah. the drops of my gravel bike, uh, and particularly because the gravel bike I have is a Cannondale Topstone with a lefty on it, so it's mm. already almost a mountain bike anyway. Yeah, cool. Uh, and has about the same amount of travel as mountain bikes from that era. Mm. I guess next in our news, the big question with that is how, do, where, and how do you end your your tape if you've got the foam grip taking up the drops? Um, that's certainly. Mm. Uh, something that i'm imagining might even require a bit of super glue to do properly um but speaking of richie foam grips i I actually use a richie wcs mountain bike grip every day uh because uh as you do i i 3d printed a handle for my dog leash and uh what better grip to use than a richie wcs grip when you've named your dog richie so um so i'm i'm clearly a fan of this grip i just uh i just don't necessarily understand if i want it in in this application (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Three cheers for Richie. Well done. Uh, next on our news list here, both. Okay, cool. Next on our news list here, new toolbox. This is clearly right up your alley, Dave. So yeah, I think Ronan put this one on the list. Ronan? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, don't be so presumptuous, Kelly, but no, it was actually Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is pretty cool, actually, um, for me. Um, Pedro's have... A long history of doing really nice, uh, complete tool sets in in a portable toolbox. I'd say they're probably one of the one of the first, if not the first, to do like a really good traveling mechanics toolbox. Uh, and they've updated that, so they've now got the Master Toolkit Four. So it's their fourth version of it, uh, and the case is just ridiculous. It's as if they've been following Toolbox Wars from uh, Toolbox Wars from Instagram from its inception, and just taken the the best of the best and put it into a a commercial product so uh the box has as you uh it's it's like a tactical kind of box so it's it's fully weather sealed with like a a a breather valve in it uh and yeah as you open it it's got this this tool board that kind of works as like pegboard where you can adjust where the tools sit uh your most used ones as they sit in the lid and then it's got some wings that fold out to the sides of the case. Uh, and then they've got a tool roll that then hangs off the front of the case. And then there's a, a layer of foam at the bottom for you to cut as you as you choose for for your more uh, delicate tools like your torque wrenches and stuff. And uh, yeah, it just seems like a really practical toolbox. It's in, it's it's gonna scare the hell out of people for the the price of six hundred and fifty dollars for an empty case. Uh, but I think I really like it. Empty case. An empty case. Yeah, the complete toolkit is more than that. Obviously, is fourteen hundred US dollars for a complete toolkit. Um, that's what you get a lot of tools, but yeah, I mean, it's we're talking about a lot of money. We're talking about something that is truly designed for professional use, uh, for the traveling mechanic, the the mechanic going to events, the or just someone that wants a a smaller way to, you know, a, a box that they can work out of and potentially run a service business out of. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just nice to see some uh, development in the space and um, I'm all for improved storage. I will not be buying that. No, uh, no. Truthfully, nor will but I, I, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad it exists. Yeah. It's, it's it, like you say, kind of appreciate anything that is that well thought through yeah you know yeah even if it's not necessarily for me yeah so exactly exactly i dig it yeah and and to like to make that point like toolbox wars traditionally is people doing custom stuff so this is this is very much uh uh for the people that don't want to invest weeks of work into building something um 
really creating something from scratch, the Pedros have basically come in and, and taken what look like to be many of the best ideas and you can just buy it off the shelf now. Cool. Go check it out, people. Last thing on my news list here, the giant Revolt X. Mm. More suspension gravel bikes. What do we think about this? Uh, I think I think I've already spoken about it, but it got edited out of a podcast previously for <laughs> for length. Um, so I don't know if I, yeah, I did that. I yeah. I, I, uh, we, I I mean we have we probably have that audio somewhere. Okay. We can just drop it. No, back that's in. all right. We can we can do it again. Um, but yeah, basically, was the podcast too long, or was your talk about the new Giant Revolt X too long? Uh, podcast is too long. Oh, okay. I had uh, to cut. I had to cut an entire segment, and I decided that was the one to cut the revolt it was nothing personal it's it felt personal when i got to the end of the episode looking looking back and now considering you have a whole extra podcast to record would you stick with that same decision or would you (laughs) (laughs) no i wanted to give dave rum adequate space uh and platform to discuss yeah this giant revolt x yeah i've i've lost my notes on it to be honest um but I can go off memory. Uh, yeah, it's it's something that leaked out of Australia a few weeks ago. There was a, a number of retailers that had this bike listed online, uh, despite the fact that Giant have not released it yet. Uh, and basically, it's it's the Revolt gravel bike, but the X version. And anytime Giant adds X to their model names, it's uh, it it's for extreme. Uh, so in the past, they've had like the the giant Anthem X, which would have like a dropper post added to it. It'd have an extra twenty mil of suspension travel. It might have uh, slightly different gearing, like the, wider tires, and it's the equivalent of Evo for specialized. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah. they've it looks like they're about to release a a gravel bike version, which actually has uh, front suspension, a dropper post, one by gearing, and a bit more of a, a burlier tire, uh, and Perhaps what's most interesting is that the frame is designed around it. So it's not it's not just the same revolt frame with these things added to it. It's it's actually a suspension corrected frame. So the geometry is built hmm. around the suspension fork. So you'll basically be stuck to having a longer fork in the front for for the life of the bike. Uh, but yeah, it, it looks really interesting. And and obviously being giant, it, it looks great value. Um, you're getting either a Rockshox or a Fox suspension fork and a, a great dropper post and all these other things for not huge money um so i think it's it's going to be a pretty interesting bike when it when it does finally come out and uh it also raises the question of what's a 90s mountain bike but um i think yeah for for people that are interested in gravel bikes that that sort of trend toward the mountain bike area uh this could be a really good one to look at that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg i've got one of those fox gravel forks Mm -hmm. sitting in my shed and i and i I haven't actually had a chance to use it yet. Oh. Like I said, I've got the I've got the lefty on that Cannondale I have, and so if I was going to stick that other fork, and I'd have to find another wheel set. Uh, there's also a weird dish issue with that particular top stone. I'd have to redish the wheels. So I just haven't done it yet. Not but on I, the I really need to. No, well, I mean the front. I would just need a different wheel entirely because it's not yeah. a lefty anymore. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> but I. I that's what's that's what slowed me down. But I, I really I really do want to try that because there's a fair amount of pretty chunky riding around here that i tend to do just on a hardtail mm-hmm. but i think would actually be quite fun on that bike particularly run with 650s and a pretty wide tire and um yeah i just need to give it a go so that I'll, I'll i'll make that a mission for this spring once the trails start to dry out yeah that's that's a topic that i've been going in circles in my head with for for a number of months now of the whole uh is you know xc hardtail versus gravel bike for for sydney riding um and I, I built up both uh, nice nice bikes. And uh, initially it started with a really nice cross-country hardtail because that was, the in my mind, the perfect Sydney gravel bike. And then I, uh, and then I built up a gravel bike. And now I'm questioning whether, whether the hardtail is the perfect gravel bike or whether a gravel bike is the perfect gravel bike. And anyway, to be continued. There's a, there's a short track series around here, like short track mountain bike series around here. And it's not particularly technical. And I actually wonder if it'd be faster on like a lightly suspended gravel bike my issue i think with that top stone is it still weighs like 24 yeah. pounds so my, my hardtail weighs the same amount yes. and at some point yeah just the 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 leverage you get off of a water mm-hmm. handlebar and you know the brake brake lever position which is way better on a flat bar than is on a drop bar when you're off-road i uh yeah we'll return to this yeah. we've got we've yeah. got many 
many episodes good to talk through this i think we might call it there for this week uh thank you for everyone tuning in to the first official full episode of geek warning uh i hope you stick around and as usual you can find us in two places we have the geek warning channel but if you also want to listen to a bit of racing stuff then you can find geek warning in the regular placeholder channel as well so subscribe to wherever you feel is right for you and yeah, get your checkbooks ready for us. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> we are coming. We're coming for you. No. Uh, let's edit that part out. Nope. No? We're gonna not going to edit that part out? No, we're going to leave it in there. Oh, no. Uh, Do you think the listeners are, are glad that the voices are back in their head? Like, our three voices are back? <laughs> uh, I think some of them are. Some of them probably aren't. But to be honest... It's a podcast. Uh, the best way to keep our voices out of your head is to never hit play to begin with. So I feel like if you've hit play, well, that's kind of your own fault. We should also say if you can't hear us now, it's probably because we forgot to hit record or something. But um... <laughs> Which we've done before. Which we've done before. Mm. Uh, well, I guess we'll be back next week with another episode of Geek Warning. And, and are, I mean, is it going to be the Geek Warning Guide to UCI Regulations next week? I don't know if I'm ready for that. I feel like that's probably best served as a deep dive. I think you're probably yeah. right. I think Ronan might right. know someone to talk to about that 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 can answer answer mm. questions as opposed mm. to just creating further problems. Mm. Nah, creating problems is our thing. Most most of the people with the best answers usually create more questions. Yeah, interesting. True. Interesting. True. All mm. right. Well. We won't promise that for next week. I think next week we'll have another, another another chat show here. But we should do that at some point. We should do the Geek Warning Guide to UCI Regulations. Good, bad, ugly, stupid, great, fantastic. Where they come from. I'll go all the way back to 1997 and the Lugano Charter and things like that. We can, we can, we can tell you all about them at some points here. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. I thought you said oiled. And I was like, what? <laughs> I may need to run out and grab the WD-40. Dave Rome, how do you feel about uh, WD-40 as a uh, lubricant? Um, generally, I'd say if I'm working on a bike that has spider webs on it or an actual live spider, then WD-40 is the right <laughs> lubricant to use.